Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Yes, welcome in. It's Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is the 30th of June, 2014, a very special day. It's Scott Magnus's daughter's fourth birthday. God, I'm old. <laughs> this is episode 84. My name is Jake English, and I'm here with my big boy, my color commentator, my Ben McDonald. My Fred Manfra, am I leaving anything out? Boy, you got to really give it to uh, Steve Pierce right there. He's like the Peggy Sue of this uh, this lineup right now. It's Scott Magnus on the ones and the twos. Now, if you're listening to our voice right now, you're probably listening to us at our website, which is birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. It's also possible that you found us on the Baltimore Sports Report Network, where you can find our show and several other great Baltimore Sports Podcast, please tune in at baltimoresportsreport.com slash network. Um, you can find us all over the place. You can find us on Miro. We really encourage you to find us on Stitcher, uh, Double Twist. There's also this place called iTunes. Scott, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. They're a little finicky. You might not want to do that. Also, social media. Reach out, touch us as much as oh, legally uh. allowed. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash BEVcast. If you really must, you can circle us on Google+. You can watch the show, or rather watch an image while we talk on YouTube. We've got a YouTube channel, but the best way to reach us is on Twitter, where we can be found at BirdseyeViewBAL. Another great resource for you in this Baltimore sports world is uh, the Baltimore Sports Report Post Game Live, which can be found on Channel BSR on YouTube, also at BaltimoreSportsReport.com slash live. It's us. It's a bunch of other guests or a bunch of other hosts from the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Uh, it's about 15 minutes after the game on Tuesdays and on Thursdays. It's great, and we encourage everybody to come out and watch that. And lastly, Scott, this is the important part. What are you drinking? I am drinking a Sierra Nevada pale ale tonight. A pale ale? Really? A pale ale? Just a pale ale, yes. Nothing fancy, just, you know, purely conservative. Well, I would judge you, except uh, my drink of the week is a Yards Brewing Company India pale ale. Okay. It's, you know, it's okay. Yeah. It's actually a pretty cool brewery. I've actually been there and toured it multiple times. It's in Philadelphia, Scott. It is in Philadelphia. It's also in the Northern Liberties, so it's not actually in Central City. Um, but it's a really interesting uh, you know, place. It has got four silos, really small, low-key. But the coolest part about it is they actually have Founding Fathers beers on there. They have a George Washington Porter, a Thomas Jefferson, and a Benjamin Franklin beer that is supposed to be recipes that are inspired by the Founding Fathers. So get a little bit of history, get a little bit of beer. Thumbs up in my book. 
All right, yeah, you you won me on the history. It it outweighed my hatred of Philadelphia yeah. sports. Um, you win. All right, with that, uh, Scott, we're going to do something new this time. We're, we're, new, new is never a good thing for us. Oh no, no, it's it's new. You're going to love it. We got we got some mail this week that we wanted to address. Play the music. Let's uh, let's reach into the old mailbag there, Scotty. And You're not gonna let me hear Perry Como there. No, I really no. wanted to hear Perry Como. It's not that kind of show. Okay, we it, just needed the letters it reference. Could be that kind of show. No, again, singing has been disallowed for at least a little a little bit. Okay. So we got some mail this week. Perhaps Scott. later on oh, in this geez. episode. Would you would you like to let us in? Oh, let's go ahead. Let's go read this letter. So we're going to read this letter. Hi, my name is Josh, and I have a couple of questions to ask you. First question, will we see Randy Wolf this year in the O's rotation? Jake? That's a resounding no, and here's why. Uh, they signed Randy Wolf to a minor league contract, and they did so because he's a known commodity. The Orioles are familiar with him, and uh, after losing Johan Santana, they wanted to really fill some organizational depth from a left-handed starting uh, uh, perspective. So I don't expect that we will see Randy uh, Wolf starting games for the Baltimore Orioles. However, if he does well in AAA— if he is in any way useful, I wouldn't be surprised to see him up in September as a left-handed uh, option out of the bullpen. Definitely can see him as a left-handed option out of the bullpen. I just I agree with you. I think it's organizational depth. Norfolk is absolutely wrecked. If you look at you know who their starting rotation is, it is absolutely a disaster. Randy Wolf can't be any worse. It's just interesting that Randy Wolf has come into the organization and accepted any minor league deal since he opted out of a minor league deal early this year and has decided to come work out with the Orioles. Well, it could be another example of... The Orioles are a place that people want to be now because they view it as a possible link to the playoffs. And, you know, he's been here before. And, he and remember, Randy Wolf did serve a big portion of getting the Orioles to the playoffs in 2012. Yes, he wasn't a part of, you know, October or anything like that. But that August and September period, he was a big portion of, you know, the Orioles being so good in that period of time. And remember, they uh, the Tides could certainly use a starter now that Eddie Gamboa is uh, on the old 50 game. We're not talking about that. I'm so upset about that. All right. Second that- question. Will Dylan Bundy pitch in the majors this year? Scott, why don't you go ahead and take this one? I'm going to say yes. I think, again, he'll be up sometime in September. I think he'll give the uh, organization a little bit of arm. The only thing that bothers me about this is the only thing that I think that might prevent him coming up is just service time. He already has a bit of service time from the first year he got called up. It'll be interesting to see if the Orioles want to put a few more extra weeks onto his service time and start getting him ready for like a Super 2 status. Um, I don't think that they're going to let, let it be bothered by that. I think if they need him, they'll call him up. I wish I could uh, disagree with anything you just said. Uh, I think you're you're spot on. He'll probably come up late in the season, if not September. He'll pitch exclusively out of the pen. They're not worried about service time. It's just a matter of when the time is right on a health uh, standpoint, an experience standpoint, and a need for the club. That having been said, we love getting letters. It makes us feel special. It gives us that that warm, oozy feeling on the inside. So if you, Birdland and Beyond, have questions for us that can be read out loud on the interwebs without Scott blushing, please send those in. We'll go ahead and we'll uh, we'll pick out the goodens. So, Jake, I think it's time for to go to our next favorite segment, the twat. Let's dive right into the twat. All right, first one is from our good friends at the Suspetas Family Barbecue at Suspetas BBQ, 
And it says as follows, and this is important tonight on the 30th of June. Every time Jake Arrieta gets another strikeout for the Cubs, every Orioles fan dies a little bit inside. And that was written on the night that he pitched his first deep game with a no-no. And Scotty, if I'm not mistaken, as we speak right now, he's in the middle of another. Am I am I correct? On That's that? the report. I'm actually going to pull up the information as we speak. And you know who he's pitching against? No. He's pitching against Boston. Oh, well, then go, Jake. Go. <laughs> I knew you would like that. Um, but, you know, kudos for Jake Arrieta for going out there and pitching so well. I don't think we can hold against him. Again, the Baltimoreans click went up through this very regularly on their last podcast. You should go listen to it because it's our sister right from the Baltimore Sports Board Network. Um, you know, Jake Arrieta's numbers were absolutely atrocious um, as an Oriole. We wanted to move on, and, you know, he's been able to succeed in success. This is not too surprising because we knew that he had the talent. It's just about putting it all together. So. Yeah, and it was not a lack of trying, and he wasn't a bad guy, and, and there's no reason to root against him unless he's pitching against us. I say, you know, more power to Jake Arrieta. Just doesn't have to be a no-no. Right. Um, go ahead. Yeah, can I just uh, move into the next one, which I'm calling late Ill- late inning silliness from uh, it's at Joe Papa Joe Paparato from the OBP podcast. He tweets out, "Still waiting for the day when Marcakis takes the mound. I hope a game never comes to that, though." Of course, he was drafted, and you know he actually was a prospect pitcher. And then we're like, "Yeah, we're not interested in pitchers. We just want a right fielder." Yeah, it's really interesting because I think that, if I'm not mistaken, Buck Showalter basically came out and said that uh, Chris Davis is not the position player singled out to be the pitcher in that emergency situation. Kind of leads you to wonder, who's that guy? Marquez has the background. Could be interesting. I know exactly who the individual is. All right, let's hear it. It's Delman Young. Oh, stop it. He's got his throwing star pitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, move us on from here. Uh, speaking about late inning zaniness, Gary Thorne was in rare form on uh, Tuesday's game. Um, he said when Ryan Flaherty came to the plate and, or with a chance to basically put the oars ahead, he says, if Flaherty hits one out, I'm going to church. And that was posted by Mark Brown at, at Eatmore SK, who's a member of Camden Chat. Um, another thing that I noticed at the ballpark this weekend was, gone but not forgotten, Ryan Wagner was out of town um, this past weekend, and uh, he posted... At RWAG614, he said, So I've heard there's a rumor this weekend that I was dead. A guy goes to one wedding. Hashtag, go home internet. Hashtag, you're drunk. Can I stop you there? Yes. We have to stop the program because I need to make a horrible confession. You were the one that started the rumor. No, 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 no. <laughs> Scott, my wife was right. Really? We went to the ball game on Saturday. We heard, um, and I, gosh, I wish I knew her name. It's Adrian something, I think, the double A bu- uh, announcer. Yeah, announcer. So we heard her voice, and I said, oh, where's Ryan Wagner? And without skipping a beat, my wife goes, oh, yeah, he's at a wedding. And I turned around, and I said, really? She goes, I don't know. Got to the seat. She was impatient with my dumb questions, but she was dead right, which scares the crap out of me. So, honey, you were right. Ryan Wagner was at a wedding. Let's all move on. Adriana Robertson is the AA Bowie PA announcer. All right, I was close. I, no, I totally agree. That was actually a great call. I had to look it up. Partial credit? Honestly, I think she's pretty poor. Really? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan oh, of her. Oh, let's not do this. First, I think it's unfair to her because we are so treated to the sounds of Ryan Wagner every game. Can, we, can we at least say that? That, that? That's fair, but I just don't think she's very good. I'm I, sorry. I think given her due, she would be fine. You know what I hear in the background is, wah, 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 wah. Sorry, there's no enthusiasm or gusto. So thank God for Ryan Wagner. All right, we're going to have to disagree on that one. Um, Are you saying you disagree about Ryan Wagner? No, I'm saying I did. 
I'm not doing this. Okay. Next, let's go to a tweet from the Orioles, which is, of course, at Orioles. Uh, this came out earlier today. Major League Baseball has upheld Manny Machado's five-game suspension. He will begin serving that suspension tonight. You know what? I'm not even going to go into that because I have a feeling we're going to talk about that a little bit later this evening. Maybe. Just we'll maybe. see. Yeah. And last night, uh, lastly, Sunday, bloody Sunday, we had another example of the Orioles blowing up on Sunday. But the best tweet of that whole day came from Pete Gilbert, who tweets at WBAL Pete. He said what we were all thinking. This is vintage 2009. Hashtag Orioles. If something's going on about Sundays, I think we need to uh, get into that. Um, Jake, uh, I think bad things are happening. Oh, no. Put a spell on you. Because of mine. Stop the things you do. Jake, uh, I got a confession. Okay, I'm listening. I'm pretty sure I'm cursed at this point. Excuse me? I, I'm, I'm cursed. How so? Um, so I've been to nine games so far this season. Okay. And First I, of all, good on you. Nine. Yeah, I mean, that's, nine, that's great. Yeah, nine games for halfway through the season. I think that's you know not bad. You know, We normally make about 20 games a year, so that's a, that's a good encouraging sign. You know, I've met my halfway point. But I'm two and seven. What? Yeah, I'm two and seven. I haven't seen a winning game since April 16th of this year. What? Yeah. I haven't seen a winning game since April 16th, and that was when the Orioles beat the Rays 3 to nothing, and it was the businessman special where you get to go to 1235. Oh, the good old days when the Orioles could beat the Rays. Yes, yes I exactly. remember them fondly. So you're telling me this is your fault? Um, I'm starting to think it might be the case. Okay, but let me put a point out that all these have been day games. But my run differential for the GC's games have been... Your run differential. Yes. I love this. Okay, go ahead. 27 runs scored versus 56 runs allowed. My Pythagorean record is .188. All right, let me ask you this. Did you yes. calculate your own WOBA? Uh, that's not part of this whole thing, so no, I did not I'm pretty do sure if you calculate your own WOBA, Grandma said you go blind. Okay, well, I also got hair on my hands, but that's another matter. Um Let's go through some interesting numbers I wanted to pull out. Interesting numbers. I, I, I failed to see how that will happen, but please go ahead. The Orioles are 13 and 17 so far during the day. The Orioles are four and nine on Sundays and one and six at home. And on Wednesdays, it's their best day. They're eight and four. They're 19 and 21 at home and they're 23 and 18 on the road. And you know, I've been thinking about this and I'm like, man, what's going on here? I remember, you know, a few years back, the Orioles were absolutely terrible on Sundays. And I came back to 2008. 2008, the Orioles started the season, and they went 15 straight Sundays with losing baseball. Now, is that 15 home Sundays or just straight up? 15 straight Sundays. Oh, that's terrible. From the beginning of the season all the way up to July 28th. For the 2008 season, the Orioles ended the season on Sundays going 4-21 and for all of Sundays. That's awful. So let's just say this much. 
it isn't as bad as this year so far. But still, it is concerning that the Orioles are paying so poorly at home, and especially well, when I'm there. Well, I mean, let's let's just start there. The the Orioles prefer to turn the lights out. All right. Okay. And when they get asked, my place or yours, it's always yours because they don't like doing it at home for some reason. And then they don't want Scott Magnus involved like any refined lady. Yes. I'm not seeing the problem yet. All right. So we got to figure out how to break this. You know, the Orioles, there are six teams right now that are over 500 but have losing records in homes. Two of those teams have, or four games are above 500. That is the Mariners, the Dodgers, and the Orioles are one of those teams that also are, you know, having these losing records at home. All right. Before everybody starts getting dizzying by your, dizzied by your numbers. Your numbers yes. Let me just try to break that down. You, yes. What you're saying is that the Orioles have a losing record at home. Yes. But that's not incredibly uncommon throughout the league. No. I mean, like I said, there's six teams right now that are above 500 that have a losing record at home. So all of those Orioles fans that are perched on the ledge right this moment should maybe take a cautious step back. Maybe think about their family members warm memories maybe a hug no i i I am thinking about my family members i'm thinking that berlin is coming after me because once they hear this podcast they're going to want my skin my flesh my soul scott nobody is going to hear this podcast look there's like two or three people out there that are going to want my flesh and skin yeah but they're in their mother's basements they don't leave the house Uh, certainly not without permission okay so i'm gonna get some nasty letters in the mailbag that's what i like to hear (laughs) all right so what are we going to do about this curse first of all I'm done sitting with you, sir, on Sundays. Well, how how, how have you been so far lately? Uh, better than you. I, okay. th- I think I've seen four winners Four wins. Year. Okay, that's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I, I don't know how many I've been to, but I, I know I've seen four winners. Okay. Um, so what are we going to do to break this curse, Jake? We're doing animal sacrifices, offering of rum. I mean, what's the, what, what are our choices here? Well, we've got to get something. Bali <laughs> What could we what could we sacrifice to the baseball gods to make this happen? I think we need to go beyond Jobu on this one. Yes. Scott, I'm gonna I'm gonna offer up something for sacrifice here. Alright. I'm gonna offer up the Matt Weeders that Nick Marcakis has been carrying on his back oh. in right field defensively this year. That's a good one. I've got an even better one. All right, I'm listening. I've got the undying ligament inside of Bobby Dickerson's shoulder that causes him to not be able to stop his windmill once he gets it started. I think if we are able to sacrifice Matt Weeders off the back of Nick Marcakis and Bobby Dickerson's windmill, we may be able to salvage Sundays for us. All right, let me let me try again. What about if we sacrifice Chris Davis's hitting woes in 2014 uh, that's not bad that's not bad i mean but again that's that's something physical that we should be able to see right away i mean we've talked about that before we need something a little bit more artificial uh you know they say jews control the world we could just sacrifice Delman young i like it yeah yeah you know we did not prepare together at this at all i will have you know that was the last thing on my list really was well. it? that's awesome well that's perfect um well, I don't think we can do anything better than just sacrificing Delman Young. So, um, Delman Young, I guess you're on notice, and I guess you've been sacrificed for the greater good. Um, so, uh, Jake, I don't know how to explain what's going on at home. I don't know how to explain what's going on. 
But needless to say, as soon as I find out what causes us to win, I will not be changing my underwear or not changing my shirt or whatever. So let's hope I can figure it out sooner rather than later. How does this differ from now? That's a fair point. I am wearing what I'm wearing tonight and the orals are doing great. I don't think I'm going to be changing my clothes for a while. You know, the Orioles are still trying to figure out what they're going to do. And there's shades of 2012 going on. The Orioles are making a lot of moves right now. I think it's important for us to go through some of the moves that are being made right now and get a feel for what's going on. So let's let's quickly go into that and find out what's been going on in Birdland. Round, round, get around, I get around, yeah, get around, round, round, I get around, I get around. Well, Scott, we're going to talk about some rosterbation, if you will. Um, but I want to make a quick point before I kick this over. Don't to you, you always make a quick point? I'm always incredibly quick. Here's the thing: we talk about 2014, and we have to compare it to 2013 to 2012, and basically we stop there. It's a small sample size for what we have to work with for baseball. We're willing to talk about, but I want to point out that just like the year prior, the Orioles roster had a major overhaul before we even got to 2014. 24 of the 52 men that wore the Oriole uniform in 2013 are out of the organization. Wow. That's actually really impressive. I mean, and, and that's, and it's very similar to the, the turnover we saw between 2012 and 2013. And, and the names will, will just, you know, kind of blow you away because you think about, you know, we lost some serious guys, but then there's just these nobodies. I mean, you know, Nate McClouth, you know, Jason Hamill, Scott Feldman, but you also forget that we had nobodies like, you know, Alex Burnett and, and, uh, Danny Valencia and Chris Dickerson and Jaro Asensio. Well, I'll always remember Chris Dickerson for his jaunty raise of the roof. Of course. Okay. But seriously, 24. Of the Alex Burnett, Orioles. I have no clue in recollection of that individual. I think you just made that name up. He had a mustache. I can't make up a mustache like that. <sighs> if you say so, the only mustache I've got in my head is TJ McFarland. I'm sure that's the case. Yes. So again, 24 of the 52 Orioles from last year. Hey, Jake, who gone. wants a mustache ride? I do. Okay. I do. All right, so here we are. We're, we're here to talk about some rosterbation that's been going on. Orioles have been a little busy lately. There's a lot of things moving cogs going on right now. Um, one of the moves that was made today was they designated for assignment Michael Almanzar. He's got to clear waivers before Boston has, has the ability to take him back. So another team could claim him, and then he could go there without Boston coming back to him. Boston's obviously going to take him back into you know their organization. Um, it's not like the Orioles going to get to keep him. Um, another move that is pending, which is one of the big topics, is Nolan Reimold. Earlier this afternoon, the discussion was Nolan Reimold had been designated for assignment. Now that information has been pulled back, it's being talked about Dan Ducat saying he's talking over options with Nolan Reimold. There's a possibility that he could be put on another rehab assignment or another major league DL. I think we're just delaying the inevitable here. I think it's just a situation of either you're going to play Reimold or you're going to play young. Who do you want on this team? Why are we picking between young and Reimold? You want low? I want low gone. You can't have low because low is your center fielder. Okay. Somebody said this to me at work last week and I thought they were crazy. But I'm I don't s- work at your work. But I'm going to say it out loud. Okay. The person said to me, he said, Jake, you really only need Lowe as your backup center fielder for a couple of innings. 
because Lowe is not going to be your everyday center fielder. In the in, in the event that Adam Jones were to get hurt and needed to be removed from a game or got ejected or whatever, or for multiple games, if he got like no, I'm talking injury. about I'm talking about one game. What about for multiple games? I'm talking about one game. What Give about multiple second. games? If you had to remove Adam Jones from one game, okay, yeah, slide somebody over. Rymold, Marcakis, whoever, for one game. Marcakis? And you deal with it. And it sucks, but you deal with okay. it. And then, after that, you bring somebody up to be the permanent solution. Who? Look at the, the AAA roster. I think the first guy to bring off the bench would be David Lowe. Because when you designate him for assignment, he's going to make it through waivers. And if he does not, then I say it's Francisco Peguero. Francisco Peguero is really not going to be a decent enough center fielder. Quentin Berry. Quentin Berry is like the Adam Jones light of light. Yeah. So we've got nobody else in the center field position that's going to equal Adam Jones. But who do we have that's going to equal David Lowe? Okay. My argument would be my little sister. Okay. I understand what you're saying from the other thing is there's no way that you could replace Adam Jones. No matter who you're going to go get, you're not going to replace right. Adam so Jones. So I'm saying if the argument for keeping David Lowe is that he has to replace David uh, Adam Jones, you're in trouble anyway. Okay. Point taken. But again... So why are we picking between Nolan Rymel and Delman Young? Again, you still want your outfield, your fifth outfielder to basically have the ability to play you know, in center if possible. David Lowe is giving us almost nothing. Almost nothing. His only value is OBP when he's a pinch runner. I guess my question is, do we really think Nolan Rymel is going to give us anything more than David Lowe? Sure he will for two weeks until he gets hurt again. <laughs> okay. But my point is, is, if you designate David Lowe for assignment, you're going to get to keep him because nobody's going to want our trash. Okay. That's a fair argument. I'll, I'll leave it at that. You win this tiny battle. I'll give you this one. Sorry, I got a little excited about that. No problem. Please move forward with your roster. In, in other moves... Uh, be sure to clean up after yeah. yourself. Ramon Ramirez was brought up to the active roster today. What? Ramon Ramirez. We haven't covered this guy at all. When, it, this is a who the hell guy. When did this happen? This happened like right before the game. And it actually, none of the beat writers had it. Someone in Norfolk posted it. And then Steve Les, was Steve, it might have been Steve or Dan Connolly basically posted and saying, oh, I found this out with one of my sources, even though I just, someone just posted a Twitter about it. Are you making this up? No, no, no. I'm serious about we this. We have a new pitcher. Yes. Anyone, if Evan Meek went down because of it. Well, I'm fine with Evan Meek finding whatever bus he could find in Norfolk, but we have a new pitcher yes. in the bullpen tonight. Yes. And his name is Ramon Ramirez? Yes. He's like a journeyman right-hander. Okay. Swell. Um, other news was Machado got his five-game suspension upheld. Wait, can we can we go back for a second? Yes. We have a, we have a cat named Ramon Ramirez sitting in the, in the uh, bullpen yes. right now, a guy we know we're not going to keep on the roster, and yet Kevin Gosman is sitting in Aberdeen? Yes. Can somebody make that make sense for me? Can we get to that in just a second? You kind of just jumped ahead. <sighs> Fine. Let's talk about it. Follow the notes. This is what this is what the Baltimoreans are so good because they actually read their notes and follow them as opposed to just jumping around. You know I can't read or write. That's true. Keep going. So much out of five-game suspension completely upheld. Okay. Are you surprised by that? Mm, a little bit. What What makes you surprised by that? The, the four-game precedent behind the bath ring, the extra game that they gave on to him for the Donaldson incident, I think, was a pretty weak, weak sauce call. All right. I hear you. I hear you loud and clear, but I'm going to need you to lean into that mic and pat yourself on the back. Okay. As soon as that thing happened, you and I got on these airwaves that night, and we said it's probably a three- to five-game suspension. Yeah. Right? And at the time, you and I were uh, incensed. You, me, and the rest of Birdland, we were all incensed. And we said what Manny Machado did was 
was unconscionable. It was inexcusable. He was going to get punished, and we were glad that he did because we can't have this associated with our organization, and we certainly want him to to turn the other way from this. And now, all of a sudden, he's got that five-game suspension, and people are starting to squirm a little bit. I, I say, you know what? He did the crime. He does the time. He'll come back, and hopefully he doesn't lose that swing he had going. Yeah, I, I understand that. I just, like I said— if it were four games, I'd be perfectly okay with it. I just think the explanation with the Donaldson incident is just kind of weak. All right, you got you got a point there. Because I, I will say that if it was a five-game suspension because they said, you know what, screw the precedent, it's five games because they threw a bat and that's unacceptable, sure. I'd say you're right. But yeah. if, they, if they're saying it's four games for the bat and it's one game because he got mouthy. Right, you, got a, you had a hissy fit. By that aspect, I really believe that David Ortiz should have got a game suspension last year when he broke open the phone booth in Camden Yards. Right, and and he wasn't punished at the time. You know, he wasn't right. thrown out of the game. He wasn't fined for any of that. It right. was it was an unfortunate incident, but it was an isolated incident until Sunday happened. If you want to suspend him five games for the for the bat, I'm fine with that. I think it's just really interesting too. To you know, the Orioles can't say anything about this, but. The rumor going around uh, Major League Baseball, the Orioles are absolutely livid with the decision. It is weird that they that Major League Baseball waited so long to have the appeal, yes. to hear the the appeal, and then to to finally just not do anything about it. I was sure that it was going to get reduced in some fashion because it was taking so long. Well, they just wanted to make sure that salsa launch went off pretty well, and it did, yes. and it did. All right, let's go to the point that you were making about Ramon Ramirez being on this team and Kevin Gossman not being on this team right now. Sorry, I can't read. Yeah. Gossman's eligible to come back up onto the roster on Tuesday um, because that's his 10-day thing, even though he came up with a doubleheader. But the Orioles aren't going to use him then. Instead, they're going to opt out to use somebody else, more than likely TJ McFarland, for that spot start. Um, Buck was quoted by Rich Dubroff as saying, another thing's saying Gossman's coming and come back up here. We've got five starting pitchers. Wait, what? We do not have five starting pitchers right now. We've got Jimenez, we got Tillman, you got Chen and Gonzalez. That's it. In the, again, that's a question of whether you even have Gonzalez or Chen based off how they've been performing lately. Can can I poke a hole in your in your furor there? Sure, go ahead. How much does Buck Showalter love messing with the media and by extension love messing with us? A lot. A, a lot. lot, a lot. And that's that's what I take that comment to mean. I think not only is it just messing with us, but it's also holding his cards close to his vest. Sure, this comes back he's, to... He's not going to tell us or the Rangers yeah. or, or the teams that we play throughout the next three weeks know what what he's going to do as far as the no, I mean, He's this, not going to tell them. This that. comes back to the situation like last spring training where he was just like, hey, we'll see if Manny can make the team or not. Right, yeah. exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly what this is. Um, but still, it's kind of frustrating just on basically the way the Orioles have treated Gossman as you know the yo-yoing effect that's been going on. And it's really weird... Um, I understand the situation where Buck is coming out there and saying, you know, Buck is coming out there and said, we're not going to pitch him on short rest on July 1st. It's, well, it'll only be three days. But I'll come back and say, we pitched Gossman on three days before for both the, uh, for the Tigers game and also the Athletics game, really, even though in the Athletics game he came off three days after only pitching one inning. Well, here's the frustrating thing. Let's call a spade a spade. Kevin Gossman is a major league starter. He's a major league talent. Can, I mean, can we just say that? Let's just say he's a major league talent. I don't don't think he can perfectly say he's a major league starter after only four games. All right. But he's a major league talent. Look at the five guys that would be in the rotation right now and tell me that he's not among those guys talent-wise. I reiterate, I said major league talent. All right. <laughs> I, I think that there is no reason that we should be continuing to yo-yo Kevin Gosman when a similar performance from 
people like Miguel Gonzalez, who have who has minor league options, yes, would get Gosman sent back on the bus. That's the whole point that I've been continuing to make on Twitter is. Miguel Gonzalez has options. By my count, he's got two options remaining. And who's to say that's not the best thing for Miguel Gonzalez? Absolutely. Again, if you go in there and you say, we want to start grooming you in to a long man and basically start increasing your pitch velocity and your control, you could be dealing with someone, too, that in future years, you could be using him as a setup man or even possibly a closer, just like Britton has been this year as well. That gives you the possibility for a trade in the future for Gonzalez as a bullpen arm, um, or you know, if you want to get rid of Britain, you can actually put Gonzalez in that spot as a closer in the future too. I'm not saying that could absolutely happen, but we have seen success where starters transitioning into the bullpen. The thing is, I don't want to be labeled as a guy that's talking smack about Miguel Gonzalez. I love me some Miguelito. I'm just saying, he's doing the same thing that we're sending Kevin Gosman back to the minors for. Sure. And that's frustrating to me. I think the interesting thing, too, is Buck has really been high on Norris and trying to get him back here. He's been talking about having Norris back by July 7th. But the way that rotation is all lining up, you still, after this July 1st game, you have a game that's going to come up on July 6th, and you're going to have another open spot. Norris cannot come up into the rotation July 6th. So you have another question mark spot of who he's going to start on July 6th. Can I give you some bad news? Sure. It's going to be TJ McFarland. No, it's not. There's no way TJ McFarland is going to pitch twice in a row. You're saying on the 6th? 6th. All right. Let, let's go through. We've got tonight is Jimenez. Yep. Tomorrow, mystery meat, which has got to be TJ McFarland. Okay. Okay. You got Or Til- Randy Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> you got Tillman. Yep. Gonza- uh, Chen. Chen. Uh, on the 4th of July, you have Miguel Gonzalez. Yep. On the 5th, again, you have Jimenez. Yep. And then you have mystery meat again scheduled on the, on the 6th. There's no reason McFarland can't go twice. No, yes, there is a reason. You do not want... Why would you have McFarlane be a starter in this rotation? He is spam. We already covered this last week. Well, I wouldn't. I'd have Kevin Gosman up there instead of What's-His-Face, who we just brought up from Norfolk today, so that he could be in the major leagues to pitch again. Correct. So again, I'd put Gosman there, and then you come back and you throw Tillman, Norris, Chen, Jimenez, and then on the 11th, you have Gosman come up again. Tillman and Norris. And the other reason I think this now, is... Now, when you say come up, do you mean come up into the rotation or come up to the majors? Or come up into the majors and, and, and be in the rotation. I also think this is interesting, too, because if you get Norris into the rotation by July 8th, he has the ability to pitch on July 13th, which means he gets two starts before the All-Star break, which I think is critical to get those two All-Star... to get those two appearances before the All-Star break in order to keep him fresh and keep his control accurate. We've seen what can happen with these long durations between starts where people can lose, you know, their control. I think it's important that Norris gets in there and gets two starts out of the, in there. I don't think we want to be seeing where up oh, but Norris is only able to get one start in throughout all of July. Well, the other thing is that Norris has been one of our most dependable starters. Absolutely. We need this guy. Yeah. We S- absolutely need this Stud guy. Stud Norris, exactly. So, um I, you know, for me, that's fine. TJ McFarlane is your starter, your spot starter for tomorrow. He is the Josh Stinson of the July 1st game. All right. Nobody but, nobody in their right mind wants TJ McFarlane starting a baseball game for the Baltimore Orioles. Nobody. But can I offer a but there? Sure. He's been really good the last couple of appearances. Oh, that's bad. that's bunk. You cannot look at a you can't look at a relief appearance in mop up duty and then just say, Oh, he'll do fine as a starter. That's that's garbage. That's like saying, you know what? Brian Mattis is doing good out of the bullpen, so we should Except make him a starter. Brian Mattis is not doing good out of the right bullpen. Right now. But there are certain individuals that have looked at Brian Mattis in the bullpen, Matt Shiroka, and said that he should be a starter in this rotation. 
I'm not saying, you know, right now he's not doing good, but there was a point in the, where he was really good in the bullpen and people said, oh, he's doing great in the bullpen. Maybe he should be a starter, Mashroka. So, um, look, you're getting all high and mighty here. You seem to think that you're righter than the rest of us. I say we go ahead. I don't think I'm righter than the rest of you. I just think I'm righter than Mashroka. <laughs> I, I think that we should go now and look to see who was right, who was wrong, and who should be embarrassed this week. When it comes to twisting, I just got to keep insisting. Oh, baby, you should do swing. When it comes to kissing, I just got to keep insisting. Oh, daddy, you are the king. Baby, you've got me beat up and down, inside out and across. Oh, yeah. Oh, would you look at that? Another tie. Oh, who, who would have thunk? The only good thing about that for this week was the fact that Elvis and Gwen Stefani just sang together. My pants just kind of came off. So uh, so nobody got hit by a pitch this week? Huh? No, Nick Markakis and Adam Jones got hit by a pitch this week. I mean, nobody we picked. But nobody we picked. Jake, you're on notice. That is an absolutely horrible stat pick for this week. I'm sorry. That was punished. Well, no, 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 no. First of all, that was punishment for bringing up the D two weeks ago. No, 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 but no, no, But no, secondly, no. Scott, I asked you to flip the coin. This technically was your no, choice. No, that's that, that, that's crap because I know what it was. It was a two-sided head coin over there. So that, that that's absolutely crap. Absolutely not. Not to I mention, had, I know you're not that prepared to have two selections, so you just had one selection. I had a perfectly good stat uh, right, on tails. What was the other stat? I'll have to look at my notes. Okay. <laughs> that's what I thought. So, Jake... That was probably one of the worst fantasy bosses of all now time. That, that brings us to what? Eight, eight three, three, and, and two. two. So, Jake, in honor of the World Cup, you, sir, get a yellow card. I'm taking a penalty kick. Jake, I'm, I didn't bite anybody. Jake, I'm picking the stat for this week because that was absolutely horrible. Jake, we're going to go with one of my favorite stats. We're going to go with the, the BABIP. All right, BABIP. We're going to go with batting average for balls in play. So, Jake, who are you picking for batting average for balls in play? Recommendation, I wouldn't pick Manny Machado. <laughs> um you should keep the microphone close to your face by the way that's like the last time you're yes. going to say that i am uh i'm trying not to make a foolish decision okay and, and here's why because uh one of the guys that we've got that is just struggling with babip is chris davis and i'm trying with all my might to to convince myself he's not going to have a, an epic turnaround for this yes. week i'm going to go with nick markakis okay I'm going to go with someone that I hate to take. I'm going with Delman Young. That's actually a really good pick. Yeah, I normally have those really good picks. Again, Delman Young's going to be in the lineup for a good portion of this week because, you know, it looks like Chris Davis may be playing a little bit of third this week. It looks like Delman Young might be playing DH a lot more. I'm going to go. Playing DH. He's going to be playing DH. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, so I did just, he bring his DH glove? I mean, to the Delman, ballpark? Delman Young's been absolutely amazing so far with. Is, Bap- he, is he borrowing Manny Machado's DH glove? He may. Uh, Delman Young's been amazing with Babbitt, but you know I've come back and posted multiple times people saying, "Oh, Delman Young is a really great player," and I've pointed, you know, his Babbitt has been absolutely huge lately. It's been I think like three eighty for the season. So I know that's going to regress at a certain point, but I'm going to try to ride it through this week. And you hope, would and hope that the star of David is shining bright on Delman Young. That's awful. <laughs> Is it awful? Well, actually, was it good? Was it bad? Or was it ugly?
That's right. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. In this segment, we pick out who in Orioles baseball has made us proud to be Orioles fans, who has not made us so proud, and, and who, frankly, makes us ashamed and puts the Orioles-branded paper bag over our head. Now, we do this in a couple ways, but this week, I'm going to go ahead and start so that we can let Scott go last, because mainly his rants are superior to my own. So, for the good and the bad, the ugly this week, my good is going to be Brad Brock. For his 6.1 scoreless innings on four appearances out of the bullpen, Brock has been really good, and he's been really good in situations that have saved the bullpen from a bad situation. It's been really nice to see out of a guy that's been up and been down, and uh, I think he's been a big part in stabilizing this bullpen. I think Drybrock has definitely been an interesting uh, character, both in terms of some of his long reef-a-loop appearances, but also just his uh, high K per walk uh, ratio as well. So Brad Brock, definitely a tip of the cap, a player that we didn't think was going to be a big contributor for this team. But um, hey, 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 I picked him to uh, start the start the year on the club, and he didn't. But I thought Evan he Meek started the year on the club. Um, so who was right and who was wrong, Dan Duquette? Um. I guess you were right in the long term. That's what I like to hear. Um, I'm going to go with my good for the week, which was Manny Machado. Just when he was starting to heat up, he suspended. He had three home runs this week. Uh, he had a Wobo of 445 and a weighted runs created of 184. It's good to see Manny Machado finally start to turn it around and start to get hot again. Um, yeah, it's a shame that he's going off for the suspension. But again, starting to get that timing back. And he also can be in the in the clubhouse and be at batting practice. He just cannot be in the dugout when the game starts. So it's not like he's just going to magically disappear. He's still going to be able to take part um, uh, of pregame uh, essential. So I think he'll still get a good feel for the game as well. Sure, it's a five-day unpaid vacation. Yeah. it's what it is. So Manny Machado, keep up the good work. We can't wait to see you back again. Yeah, plus great salsa. Yeah. All right. My bad for the week is Wei and Chen. Uh, Wei and Chen did not have the best of weeks. Um, in uh, in a game, well, no, it's actually two games, two games. in the last yeah. six days. He, uh, well, nine innings pitched in which he gave up eight earned runs, and that's just not going to do it. It's not going to do it at all. You know, he, he had a, a five uh, K for nine, and he had a four walk per nine, but 13 hits per nine. He's... Uh, He's just in a bad place right now. Wei and Chen, we need you to settle down. I'm going to go with another individual in the rotation that's been pretty poor, and that's Miguel Gonzalez. Miguel Gonzalez also had two starts this week, only went nine and two-thirds of an inning, 2.79 strikes per nine innings, 6.52 walks per nine innings, an 8.69 FIP, a 6.65 XFIP. He's been abysmal since coming off the DL. And honestly, Jake, I'm at this point saying I want him to be optioned I want him to move to Norfolk before the All-Star break. I want him to be able to come back after the All-Star break and be a contributor in that bullpen as a long man in this in, 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 for the Orioles. I think it sets up great for the Orioles to come out of the All-Star break with Gossman in the rotation and Gonzalez as a middle-inning reliever to take two or three innings up for the rest of the season. That's just the way I feel. Miguel Gonzalez, you're on notice. And in fact, you've already gone past my notice. Norfolk, stand up. All right, my ugly for the week. This is kind of like shooting fish in a barrel. It's Brian Mattis. Brian Mattis not getting it done. Brian Mattis, I think at this point I hate you. That's that's perfectly fair. I I I when he comes I in, I think I hate you, but what am I so afraid of? That's the second time I've had to cut you back from singing on this podcast. I had dance in there too, though. 
Yeah, but they can't see that. Okay, that's good. That's horror just for me. Look, Brian Mattis has given up runs left and right. In the last week, he's got a, a ERA over 12. In 3.2 innings pitched, he's given up five earned runs. He doesn't belong in there against righties. He doesn't belong in there to eat up innings. And in that awful game on Sunday, I wanted him just to finish up the damn game as punishment for what he did to that to that game. So, Brian Mattis, you are ugly this week. I can't even look at you right now. Can I go through really quickly uh, Brian Mattis' stats against right-handers for the season? Do you have to? Brian Mattis is pitching 343 average against right-handers, 432 on-base percentage, 652 slugging, and a WOBA of 453 against right-handers. He's actually worse than Josh Stenson. Wow. Yeah. That's all hat, no cattle. Yeah. So... (laughs) Good call back there. Well done, sir. But that's just absolutely... Stin, son of a bitch. Yeah, that's just absolutely horrible. And, you know, it, it comes back to the situation of Brian Mattis is a loogie, and that's all he is. He can only come in and get one person. And Buck keeps trying to get him to go against righties, and it's not going to work. It's because he's I know a well-paid loogie. Yeah, well, exactly. He's a he's being paid you know $2 million. I still raise the question of whether or not he's going to get moved at the trade deadline and see if somebody wants to make him into a reclamation project to see if they can make him into a starter. Maybe Metro can, can go buy a baseball team and make that happen. Well, hey, you know, it worked for Jake Arrieta. Yeah, um, speaking of which, Jake, um, he has gone through seven innings now. So he's going into the eighth inning, and uh, he still has a no-hitter going nice. against the Boston Red Sox. Go, Jake, go. Um, going to my ugly. My ugly is actually a group effort it's second baseman on the orioles jonathan scope and ryan flaherty have been absolutely abysmal jonathan scope for the past seven days 149 woba negative 19 weighted runs created plus flaherty 212 woba 22 weighted runs created plus abysmal combined there are 171 woba and a negative three rated ones created plus those are absolutely horrible 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 numbers the defense by both of them also comes right to zero so it's not like they're above average defenders or anything they are absolutely terrible part of the Orioles right now and it's not like this is just seven days 14 days 199 Woba 15 weighted runs created plus 30 days 264 Woba 60 weighted runs created plus this team needs to start looking for a second baseman it's time to designate Ryan Flaherty or Jonathan Scope to Norfolk make them into a third baseman because you're going to need a third baseman next year when you move Manny Machado to shortstop because we're not re-signing Trey J. Hardy and then actually have a second baseman ready to go for next year. Yeah, I'm with you on the fact that we need a better second baseman. The rest of that stuff we'll have to argue out at a different point. I, I mean, who who's out there for us to look at for second baseman? No, there's plenty of people. I mean, the Diamondbacks are looking to get rid of either Aaron Hill or Martin Prado. Um, both are you know have much better woba and much better rated ones created plus. Wait, wait, wait. the Diamondbacks have two better second basemen than we do. They basically have this. Yes, exactly. They've got two better second basemen than what we have, and they've got this. You know, they're in the aspect of they're in the last place. They need to get rid of these. These are guys that are heavy, very high salary. Um, they're like eleven or twelve million dollars a year. Um, if the Orioles were to take on that money, that's one thing. But also, they could trade away a top prospect and have the Diamondbacks eat some of that money as well. Yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to give up a top prospect for a, a second baseman. Uh, again, it's a situation of if you can get a second baseman under team control, it's not a bad move. All right, who else is on your wish list? Uh, these aren't wishes. I'm just saying these are people that the Orioles should be Oh, no, this is, these are wishes. Okay. These are wishes and buts. No, I, like I said, I'm just throwing out names. Daniel Murphy is one. People have been following this. He's having a career year. 338 Woba, 119 weighted runs created plus. And he's got an above average defense so far this year, but his career has always been really poor. So I think we need to 
realize that if we get him, you could see a defensive lap at second base. Scott, I've seen Ty Wigginton play second base. Don't tell me about lapses at second base defense. Fair enough. I'm going to go to someone that has really great defense, and that's Emilio Bonifacio with the Cubs. 287 Woba, 76 weighted runs created plus, but he's a great defender, and he has 13 stolen bases in the season. He would give you the speed in your lineup right now that the Orioles have none at this moment. He could be like even better than Nate McLeod in terms of speed, in my opinion. Do you think we could package him up in a deal to also get Jake Arrieta? No. Oh, sorry. Um, and the person that I personally want, um, it's you know, calm, both, calm down, you're drooling. Yeah, I know. The person that I personally want is Ronald Odor. What? Ronald Odor. <laughs> it's like rotten odor, but right, Ronald. And he's actually for the Rangers. He's a 20 year old prospect, 316 Woba, 93 rated ones created plus. He's an above average defense player, but I just want him because again, he's an above average second baseman. You want a player with the last name Odor? That's all. Absolutely. So, you know, the Rangers are looking to kind of get rid of him because they've got Profar in that middle of that, you know, area too. So they have this individual that, you know, they don't know where to put him. The Rangers are looking for starters right now. We've got some starters that we're looking maybe to perhaps get rid of in the future. Let's make it happen. Yeah, that's another situation. Of, I really want this diamond for this uh, for this fool's gold. See, I don't know about that. See, I think if you were to trade Gonzalez and Eduardo Rodriguez and maybe another top 20 prospect, I think you could maybe work, make it work. Okay. I'm just saying. I think I'm not sure if it, Bundy and Gossman are not an option, but I think you could make something work with the Rangers. So for this week, your ugly is who I can't even remember what this was. Second baseman. Our oh, second baseman right. are ugly. And they're on notice. And the Orioles need to start looking for a replacement. Jake, um, I think it's time that we uh start blowing the save. Go All ahead, right. Jake. All right, the blowing the same segment was something we started uh, as a way to cram in some extra stuff into the episode for for things that really didn't um, really didn't warrant their own uh, segment. And I want to I want to talk about something with you, Scott. I've got this friend out in Colorado who I mean, though he's traveled the world and he's lived in many locations, including Baltimore, he's a native of Birdland at heart, and he's tried. He's tried to move on. He's tried to pretend that the Orioles don't matter and that he shouldn't give his time and his attention and his emotional well-being to the birds, but he just can't help himself. Every once in a while, an email will pop up in my box, and he'll uh, he'll talk some Orioles with me. And this week, he sent me an email asking if it was time to send Nick Marcakis to left field. I wasn't really sure what that was about. You know, we've heard in the past that Nick Marcakis wasn't that great a right fielder or an outfielder in general, and I've been resistant to believe it. But watching some of the routes he's taken, the balls in the gap lately, I'm starting to turn. We mentioned it earlier. He's got that Matt Weeders on his back out there. Now, is this simply father time catching up with a good-to-average fielder? Or is this the real Nick Markeka showing up after tricks like, I don't know, good positioning have started to fail him? All right, I'll admit, his arm is not what it was in his prime, but I always thought that it was still adequate for a short right field at Camden Yards. And this brings me back to my friend's question. Should we consider moving Nick Markakis to left field? I say no. I think his gap-to-gap speed would, <laughs> speed in quotation, would only be more exposed out in left field. I say hide him in right field at Camden Yards because he can play that wall better than anybody because he's really, you know, he's really experienced to doing it. On the road, though, who knows? Who knows what the best defensive options we have? And so I wanted to throw it out to you, Scott. What do you think? 
I think Nick Markakis is not going to move to left field ever. I think he plays the right field portion very well in Camden Yards. But I do think we need to give consideration to Nick Markakis is coming up on an option year and a free agency year. And there's a lot of people that are looking at his stats as a leadoff hitter and saying, we should sign him to a multi-year deal. I would warn people that sending someone to a multi-year deal could in a few years come back to a situation where we say, I cannot believe we signed Nick Markakis for $17 million, just like we were prior to the season starting. I don't think Nick Markakis is worth $17 million. He may be worth $10 million, in my opinion. But Nick Markakis is an average right fielder. In terms of uh, ultimate zone rating for per 150, Nick Markakis ranks, you know, right around, you know, top 10 of, you know, UZR 150. He's right around like 8 to 10. But again, he's not a top right fielder. And he's continuing to get older. It's not like he's very old. He's only, I think, 28 years no, old. No, he's, he's 31. 30, he's 31. Yes, I'm sorry. He's 31 years old. So again, yeah, way over the hill, 31. Well, again, if you sign him to a contract next year, he'll be 31. That means if you sign him for a two or three year deal, he'll be 34. You know, he's going to keep, you know, progressing and getting worse and worse at, you know, range. My, my thing, though, is that this is the first year I'm seeing it with my eyes. Like, I, I get the fact that, you know, we have this conversation all the time stats versus eyes, you know, my gut versus your right. numbers, but I'm seeing it. Right. And I've heard it for years from a stats perspective. And I said, no, he's a good right fielder. And you got to understand from my situation too, is I am not a big person on defensive metrics. I don't think the defensive matrix metric right now in saber metrics are really well-defined in my opinion. But with what Major League Baseball is doing with video right now, yes, I think we have an excellent opportunity to see exactly what Nick Markakis is with some of that work that they're doing, because it is incredible. Yes, absolutely. I think in the next few years, we're going to get a much greater appreciation for defensive metrics moving forward, both in a historical context and also in present time. But for right now, I think we can look at UZR and UZR 150 as much as we want. But again, I think it comes down to an eye test, and the eye test comes down to, I was at the game on Sunday, I thought Nick Markakis should have had it, I thought the inning should have ended, and instead Nick Markakis let that ball drop in front of him, the inning extended, and the Orioles ended up getting blown out in that inning. All right, let's not freak out over a single situation. I, I'm not. I, let, let me ask you, though, Scott, is Nick Markakis a liability in right field? I think he is an average outfielder. I don't think he's a liability, but I just think he's an average outfielder. Follow-up question. Are we okay with an average right fielder who can hit like a leadoff hitter? For this year, yes. For future years, there's no way in the world I'd pay him $17 million. All right, you're not going to pay him $17 million. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I think that for Nick Markakis, for what he brings with the stick and the degradation of his outfield skills that we will see over the next couple of years, mm-hmm. I would go as high as three for 30 with Nick Markakis, somewhere okay. between the 20 to $30 million range, three-year deal. Hopefully he ends his career as an Oriole, and hopefully he hit he continues to creep up that hit list. What about you? I think three for 30 is perfectly reasonable. I think it might be a little bit higher than that. I think he'll get... Uh, a little bit of a kickback from uh, from the Greek roots, basically. <laughs> so um, I'm not sure if we really said anything. I think that might have been our longest blowing the safe ever. But um, I think that's something that we're going to have to come back and touch on in the future, Jake, is Nick Markakis and potentially the deteriorating ability in the outfield. Well, in that case, with nothing more to say, I think at this point, I will simply say to Baltimore and beyond, adieu, adieu. Well, actually, we're not supposed to say that just yet, Jake. We're supposed to kind of give away our prize. Oh. So we had a person send us a tweet. Chris Maurer sent us a tweet two times this week 
from Camden Yards. So he wins the tumbler. We're going to get in contact with him, send him his tumbler. He is a Sunday season ticket holder, so he needs something to be cheered up on. And there's nothing better than putting a beer into a frosty tumbler. So now, Jake, you can say a do a do. Do you have anything else that I was not aware of that I, I should not talk over? No, I'm, I'm good. All right. Well, then, Baltimore and Beyond, I bid you a fine to do a do. Good. No, no, wait, Scott, I have something to say. No, I'm just kidding. You sure? I'm good. All right. Good night, Baltimore. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Open the door, Grandma. I'm getting out of here.